in some disturbing news from the feathered fiends and flying lies front, an unkindness of ravens has conspired to deprive Costco shoppers in Anchorage of various foodstuffs. The birds were reported to have snatched short ribs, melon bags, and an array of other items out of shoppers' carts as they maneuvered through the parking lot. Local law enforcement has responded by airing Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds on the Emergency Broadcast Network as an ersatz safety training video for the town's residents. Well, if you wanted honesty, you have come to the wrong place. This is the, let's say, the Trapped Between Trolls podcast. <laughs> I'm Shane. I'm John. I kid, I, this is the I, Disinformed I, Podcast. <laughs> I'm Shane. I am still John. <laughs> I, I, I've fallen I can't get up, and I'm, I'm Michael. And I'm Courtney, I think. Maybe. What, you guys don't like my changed name here? <laughs> I, I feel like... it more adequately represents the yeah. topics that we are going to present on this show every week. It's yeah, me true. trying to cope with having a couple of pugilists in my uh, podcast ranks. I miss the panda. We all do. Yeah, Remember the panda we days? all miss the panda, yes. Courtney didn't get to see the panda back in the day, but it I was I mean, it's on the hold. Instagram, so I mean, technically she did get to see it. Yeah. If there's anything that Courtney knows very intimately is that no one looks at the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is accurate. Um, not even Michael bothers to uh, look at the Instagram. So, uh, not M underscore C underscore Clark <laughs> underscore. That's, that's a big F for me. Ooh. But um, now if you follow us you- on the socials, I will personally drive you and drop you off at Michael's house. <laughs> um, it'll be like a tour. Um, snacks will be provided. Um, the stakes have been raised. <laughs> so yeah, consider following us at Disinformed on Instagram. It, was that said because you're sitting over there looking like a snack? Is that is that what you're trying to convey to the general listenership here? <laughs> if that'll work, I mean... Okay, well... You are uh, far more dedicated to promoting this podcast <laughs> than the other than two members that I'm looking at presently. Yeah. Wait, so I'll you start guys... something new. I won't communicate about it. I was the only one that submitted a wet t-shirt video? What? You guys tricked there me. There was a contest? <laughs> uh, no, technically, uh, I did too. It's just no one cared to see it. Sadly. Uh, I saved it. It's it's on a drive somewhere, and I pulled uh-huh. that up for the fun times. You know that scene in uh, the third Austin Powers movie where a fat bastard shows up as a sumo wrestler? That's basically what it looks like with um, you know, a saturated shirt on Shane. That aside, it still <laughs> it still surprises me that when I was last at your your place that you own Austin Powers movies, but you have on air like you are. You can listen back and hear how much you hate those kind of movies, but for some reason, Austin Powers is okay and acceptable to be in your collection. Austin Powers, uh, International Man of Mystery, <laughs> was a great film. No, it's not. <laughs> the The deterioration of that franchise is what ultimately led to me getting sick of like really ridiculous jokes over and over and over again. So, uh, yeah, that is the origin story of, of my hatred of ridiculous comedy. I think there's so many better franchises that could have done that for you. Uh, 
Like According what? to whom? Yeah. Now, that, now I want to hear. No, see, no, I, I want to hear this. My exposure rate. And I, I mean, don't scary movie. That. I think would have been a good. Oh, franchise. that is a. I've seen it, and that is a piece of shit. Yeah, it's just as good as Austin Un- Powers. And I the only good part about anything other than the first one was Leslie Nielsen being in the third and fourth in uh, scary movie. Other also, than that, they're all trash. Let's just. Let's just create a machine gun of hatred today. Um, I like how Michael suddenly feels like he can talk about movies. Um, Leslie Nielsen is, is of, a saint. Okay? Why is he still also, yelling? Uh, Michael is I'm also kind of yelling. the aficionado of bad cinema amongst us. I would say he's consumed the worst of all of us comparatively. So far, Shane and I's like hill that we've been dying on is like, Michael, have you seen this Tarantino movie? Have you seen any of the Alien movies? Have you seen... Uh, you've seen a Scorsese, like any of the stuff. And he's like, who, what, where, when, how? But then he's like, it's like, oh, so there's this red box rental where they take action and horror movies and, and other things. And they do satire and it's produced on a $10 budget. Uh, and the writing's atrocious. You have to see it. It's peak cinema. <laughs> that describes me in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, let me uh, crib an Austin Powers joke. No, this is you in a nutshell. Oh, hell, hell. trap! I'm trapped in a nutshell. <laughs> How did I get in this nutshell? <laughs> what sort of a nut, nut has a shell like Who me? Is, oh, <laughs> quick, guys! And I, I don't know if this is just going to isolate Shane and, and myself here, but Probably. between Austin Powers one and two. Are we more Heather Graham fans or Elizabeth Bank fans? Or Hurley? Is it Hurley? Hurley, yes. Hurley. Um, I, Elizabeth Hurley. I need I to remember their names in the actual movie. Which is funny, because comparatively, I was always definitely more the Betty than the Veronica type of cat back in the mm. day. But yeah, no. Yeah. Heather Graham does nothing for me. Uh, Hurley does everything for me still. And mm-hmm. then I think about her. What, didn't she play the devil in Bedazzled with mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser? Sure did. Uh, I can see we have alienated Courtney once again. I'm looking up who these As people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look up. Yeah, we need to get your answer too. And Michael needs to hone his editing skills. So sure, got to give him lots of cuts. <sighs> You've misspelled that word again, John. <laughs> if only. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only. <laughs> well, uh, Courtney seems to have uh, not had any real dedication to this. <laughs> Elizabeth so. Hurley. Okay, well, well done. Which one yeah. was that? Was that Veronica or Betty? I don't remember. That is you Veronica have the ability oh. to look it up, you silly sack of shit. I am not that fast, okay? <laughs> you're on a fucking computer right now with 17 screens, like you're about to like triangulate the location of a missing bioweapon. I, hold on, let me hack into the, uh, <laughs> the mainframe here. It's yeah. the anthrax I'm sending him, so he needs to track that down. Uh, and then that is uh, on air the 10th time Shane has been put on a list. <laughs> <laughs> I want I just want to make sure they're taking me seriously. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh no, yeah, no, definitely def, definitely. Definitely <laughs> Heather Graham. Okay. Really? Wow. Yes. Her? Uh, Felicia, I, <laughs> Felicia I'm done talking. I'm listening. Fucking well, I'm done God. listening to you, so yeah, it's, it's all good. <laughs> uh, but speaking of uh, horrible things that have been perpetrated upon us by the uh, United Kingdom, allow me to bring you a story that the moment I saw it, I knew I needed to share with John. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh, this is right up your alley, my friend, and by that I mean your asshole. Please. <laughs> Here is the headline. 
And this comes to us from, let me click on that. What was it? The Sunday Sport, which features mostly nude women on the cover of it. So again, uh, the British publications are a very interesting study. Uh, you got his me sloppers. So the Mars Bars Up Arse Champ branded a cheat for using the small multi-pack ones. Wait, say that slower. Mars Bars Up Arse Champ is branded a cheat for using the small multi-pack ones. <laughs> that's that's fair. I now, mean, um, like <laughs> this is from a year ago, so this has been lingering around. But I feel like this, uh, you know, we've we've missed out on this entire thing here. So allow me to to treat you to this. Um, furious Mark and his wife Pat. I, I, I appreciate <laughs> Pat. We'll get into Pat later, but. Uh, the world of competitive confectionery uparsing is in turmoil after the man who held the Mars Bar Up bum record had his title withdrawn. Mark Anderson had kept his record of squeezing 12 of the popular household treats up into his otherwise out-of-bounds bumhole since summer last year. But now the all-powerful International Anal Insertion Association has ripped the award back off the garden center worker from West Derby, Liverpool. The Outfit's Officious Rules and Regulations Committee says Mark, 41, broke all their bum-fudged guidelines as he failed to use a standard-sized 51-gram Mars bar to pack up his fundament. How fucking could he? And they're insisting his use of the smaller 39.4-gram bars from popular multipacks means his record claim is now void. Well, of course. But Mark is furious that this was never pointed out to him at the time of his great effort and is demanding his title be reinstated. He told Sunday Sport, You have to wonder if anyone can contemplate the idea of getting 12 Mars bars up your ass. I'll tell you what, it takes a lot of time and effort to get them all in there snugly fitted without any chocolate leakage. To suggest that I was somehow cheating when I really, I was just being thrifty, by saving some cash on the multi-pack is devastating. It has literally added insult to injury because having that amount of chocolate packed inside your ass takes some doing and doesn't lend itself to comfort. Mark is now being comforted by his wife Pat, 37, herself a record holder for having fitted an impressive 14 fries Turkish delight up her front bottom. She said, Oh, wait, Mark wait, has done wait, his hold on, level hold on. bit. God damn it, John. I don't interrupt you when you're running off at the goddamn mouth on this shit. <laughs> you can talk about your herbal essences down your penal hole for four hours and I shut the fuck up. But you want to try to interrupt me while I'm giving you the goddamn goods on I, front bottoms. I was Shut asking, your dick-sucking uh, <laughs> mouth and I will tell you when you can talk. I was asking a clarifying question for the listeners. I don't give a good goddamn what you're doing, you mick cunt. You shut your mouth and you wait for me to clue you in on when I will accept your idle chit-chatter. That's okay, when you Dad. say yes, Daddy, yes. God Sorry, damn Daddy. it. You were saying about pussies? Front butt. Sorry. <laughs> it's not a front butt. It's front bottom. Okay, you were oh, saying sorry. about front give bottom. Give it the respect sorry. it goddamn deserves. <laughs> <laughs> John, no, no. What are, what are you asking me? I'm sorry. No, we we answered the question anyway. Okay. All right, yes. 
<laughs> I thought you would have been, you know, more surprised at, you know, what weird derivation of the lion, the wench, and the wardrobe we're getting into that she's um, shoving Turkish delights up her pussy. I also uh, had about Mark, uh, I was hoping that the article would clarify if he takes the wrappers off or if this is going up without the wrap, if, if he's wearing a glove or not, because... I would... I would assume because they're talking about chocolate leakage that, you know, you're not utilizing them in the packaging. Uh, plus, yeah. that plastic might cut you. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's... Does he recycle? Pleasurable. I hope so. Yeah, I don't want to waste those Mars bars. I mean, it's not specified in the rules. What you do with the wrappers is, you know, your own business. And Indeed. what you serve yeah, at your yeah. dinner party afterwards is your own business. They don't need to know. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it tastes a bit nutty. See? I appreciate <laughs> where your head's at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, cool. He smells like shit. <laughs> it is shit, Austin. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Uh, so, she said, this is Pat speaking now, uh, whose uh, maiden name was Macrach, I believe. But uh, here. <laughs> she said, Oh, Mark has done his level best to reach greatness, and this is how these fucking snide cunts treat him. I'm worried sick now. They might try to take my own title off me, too. All that work for nothing. It's enough to make a grown man cry, and it wouldn't surprise me if our Mark did. Not when he set his record, either. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we have from the Mars Up the Arse competitions. You know, the British are truly wonderful people, and I'm, <laughs> I'm frankly, I, I don't know why we ever left. It's agreed. We, we shouldn't have thrown the tea over the harbor, man, like. O- over the harbor <laughs> over under and through the through, woods inside outside <laughs> to the royal family's house we go uh, he me she bees mars bars in my squee uh i mars bars in my die die <laughs> i mars so far and hard in my die die shane and i had this moment yesterday where we came to a very quick realization that we now have like a year and some change of inside jokes or like podcast canon jokes that we say to each other in person now and in passing, um, much like, you know, there were band jokes. So we had our first practice, uh, like, because we're all vax now, like we, we got in the same room, Sam, Shane and myself and, and Asher actually hung out for a while too. Um, and, I don't remember why we said it, but we did the he, she, me, he, come, come. And <laughs> Sam and Asher looked very, very disgusted and perplexed. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't that like jovial, like, haha, we're all in on the joke. And we realized that we're going to have a really tough go for a, a few months here of trying yeah. to get them caught up on that. It's also, okay, Sam, just... if you're listening, fuck you. You know she's not. She's not. She's, <laughs> she's never gonna going to be listening and it's uh, 2024. Yeah, she was uh, she was completely agog at the fact that there was a female co-host. Yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. she didn't know that they could do things. <laughs> they allow females to co-host now with permission. They she allow the stick Turkish delight at <laughs> oh, their front okay. bottoms, so I mean they should allow them to do so much more. <laughs> she immediately ran out to Tony and told Tony, and he said, "I don't remember asking you to talk." <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! And I just want to clarify for Michael that there are three holes, not just two. Yeah, you do know that, right? Well, I need to do some research after tonight. I, 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 I don't know anyone who's going to let you. There's seven. <sighs> I have much to learn. 
how often do you watch Home Improvement? I don't know, man. I it's, it's my go to. Isn't I? So I know I that I have a fence in front of me. I know that Tim Allen is basically a piece of shit now. Yeah, always. But is yeah. uh, Al Borland is he a piece of shit too? I mean, he is hosted he the Family Feud for a while, so I mean that makes him a great human being. Uh, what's what's up with Tim Allen? Uh, didn't he go like I think around the election cycle he went on some like very very hard conservative nut jobby stuff, and they canceled it. They canceled his show because he was saying some like off the wall shit, and then the conservatives are like, "You can't just cancel it because he doesn't like your political views." And then they brought the show back, and then it failed critically. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's still running. Uh, I wow. honestly don't know if Last Man Standing is still running, but like the one or two episodes that I happened to watch were pretty weird. Well, I mean, problematic. This is, no, yeah. this is what happens when you get a little buzzed and start talking out of your ass. Or your front butt. Um, can we also agree front that the... Front bottom. Okay. Sorry. It's, it's not a truck butt, sir. Don't try Americanizing this. I feel like we all got really lucky, too, that the Roseanne uh, reboot got swiftly canned, too. Yes. It's been a whirlwind of a fucking five-year period. Wooey! Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a beautiful thing. It's, uh, you know, all brought to us by the delight of searching via Google. And speaking of Google... Mr. Watkins has got a tale that he would like oh, to recount for us. It seems. <laughs> right. That was having a great seamless. Seamless. Uh, yes. That was beautiful. <laughs> the that perfect was. Sigourney segue. I was going to say, Just, we haven't said Sigourney nah. segue in a good long while, but that was a strong one. Okay. So, a little bit of housekeeping. So, back, uh, was it episode three? Yeah, because you would have been Levain Satanism on two. Mm-hmm. Jazz was the first one. Yeah, and then Deer Hunter Deer was three. Hunter. Is this Deer <laughs> yeah, Hunter okay. part two? Fuck no. Oh. <laughs> Even though, Kristen, thank you very much for saying that you liked the episode enough that it made you listen to Deer Hunter more and want to know the story. I'm still never going to do four and five. Um, <laughs> just like Casey Crescenzo and the camp are never going to do an act six. Um, and that was a nerd joke. So, Aha. back on that episode, definitely lied to you guys and you know that i lied to you guys because it's been a nice joke of like my google dog crashed and blah, 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 blah. yeah i i think we actually called you out on you that did. for a significant amount of time on that episode yes. as well yes um like, hmm. i don't remember the act like i was just laziness probably but so i've had today's topic prepped since last week because i was prepared to you know to talk about it last week and then we just had a lot of fun talking grinding with the devil uh um, thank you you're welcome. <laughs> um, so something weird is happening with my Google Docs, and I found this out because I was doing—I was just rereading to make sure that things were looking good. And oh, you're reread. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Google Docs is not broken. However, I'm having a synchronization issue where on my phone it wasn't synced to the doc that I started on my laptop. And I watched in real time. Stop. <laughs> I, I watched in real time as I pulled it up on my laptop, saved it, pulled it up on my phone, and it like did this like warbly fucking thing and threw back an old section that I had just deleted. So sort your shit out. Maybe it just doesn't like me using Google Docs now that I got vaccinated. Maybe I'm supposed to use Microsoft. <laughs> You're too tuned into the 5G now. Well, it's because Bill Gates doesn't like competition. Yeah, exactly. Yes. People burn if he's beat. John, are you this familiar kind of... with the picnic error problem in chair, not in computer? Ooh. No. 
Yeah. Uh, I was about to say, this is akin to uh, something I've heard in a court defense previously, where someone's like, you know, I realize I was super intoxicated and I passed out at the wheel, but, you know, it's the car's fault for the fact that it's built to jerk to the right <laughs> to try to, like, veer off, and I wouldn't have killed those kids otherwise. Or, really, or you know, another example might be like, man, I don't know how I was hung over this morning because all I did was have nine beers and then take weed droplets or weed distillate droplets. I for only the first took 50 time. milligrams of the weed droplets. And I know so. that you guys take 10 milligrams because you're fucking pussies. But us real people, we use 50 to 100 milligrams. And it turns out there's aliens in my brain. And I didn't know about <laughs> it until the, the THC kicked in. Okay. But anyway, weird. yeah, so my Google Doc was being weird, and I just thought it was really funny because for a second I thought I was going to have to rewrite, like, the last quarter of my uh, my topic, and then I figured it out, but I was like, they are never going to believe me. Like, I, I'm the the cry wolf. Like, I, I did it the one time, and it wasn't true, and now this time it could have been, and if I hadn't have figured it out, I don't think I would have literally ever heard the end of it from you guys. Well, the beauty of that would have been we would have had to wait for like four more weeks for you to present because you would have had to write the last quarter of it over again. Oh, you're too nice to him. It's probably like three months at <laughs> least. You know what's really sad? Like truly sad? I have... I personally hate having multiple tabs open on my on web browsers. Like I feel like if you have more than three or four tabs open, you're just you don't know what you're fucking doing or what you want. It's like a shit or get off the pot thing. I for the past month have had ten tabs open on my phone because I have articles where I'm like, this would be so much fun to talk about. And I probably won't write those episodes for ten months. You know that about <laughs> the, the bookmark feature, Forever. right, John? You could uh, just those are for books. Save you those nerd. for later. Okay. <laughs> those are for quitters. <laughs> Someone over here just started using the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, AOL. <laughs> well, we please for aim at this point. <laughs> I do please aim. Yeah. Indeed. Well, for those of you who are still stuck around <laughs> in spite of all of this rambling nonsense, hi. What we typically do on this glorious little podcast is we will delve into a random esoteric topic, and in the course of explaining it to one another, we will leaven in the occasional lie just to keep things interesting. It is then incumbent upon the co-hosts to ferret the lies out, sort the fact from fiction, and attempt to identify them appropriately. Unfortunately, however, there are no points for a correct answer, and subsequently, nobody wins. Correct. So... This week, we have a topic that I'm sure is just going to be a blast. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Wayne. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's get this out of the way. Trigger warning. Today, we are talking about suicide and conspiracies and uh, objectively weird music that's probably not that good anymore. I don't <gasps> know. Don't bury the lead here, John. Whoa, I there. won't. I, I was okay with the other things, but you went too far. It was difficult to place lies here. Not difficult, but I just, I, I don't do this often anymore. Uh, so anymore? I'm not like you, I'm not like you guys. I don't like, I don't have like a, a rhythm of like, oh, here's where I can lie. Um, so there's only two lies today and it's a shorter topic. Um, you can't fail if you don't try. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I tell my six year old. <laughs> my... <laughs> is this during the oral exam or no oh my god <laughs> oh that silence is deadly well anyway 
let's get, let's get here. So, I don't know about you guys, but my musical taste when I was among the short and beardless was mainly influenced by my brothers and sisters. We've talked before how it's kind of miraculous that I'm still not in a butt rock or modern rock metal spiral, even though sometimes we do, uh, you know, fall back into nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But when I was growing up, it was obscene amounts of Metallica, Pantera, Corrosion of Conformity. Yeah, you kind of get the picture. Machine Head, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I never, I didn't really get into them. The hell's wrong with you? <laughs> I know. Uh, but when I hit my teenage years and those first hairs started sprouting on my chin and my sack... Um, I stumbled onto what was almost a, a rite of passage for someone born around when I was, um, and that was grunge music. It was just like the natural progression of things. Uh, it was angst-filled and relatable for no reason to me because I didn't really have the life experience to relate to the angst. You just feel the angst, and it was good. Um, so I loved grunge, um, or the Seattle era of grunge as well, like Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog, uh, but mainly it was Nirvana. And I think which is not a grunge band. Nirvana is not a grunge band. Nirvana is not a grunge band. They didn't consider themselves one. And the bulk of the rest of the groups of that era did not consider them one either. Well, I consider them grunge. Uh, They were progenitor, almost like I would say like R.E.M. is like uh, alternative. Oh, sorry, Michael. I didn't know that you were presenting today. (laughs) I'll just shut the fuck up. then. I'm kidding. Talk, you fucking mook. Oh, well, don't open that door. <laughs> no, all I'll say was they were a progenitor. They didn't necessarily like specify what grunge was, but a lot of grunge artists would take inspiration from Nirvana. I would say they were the transitional period between the hairband acid rock phase, but they didn't sound oh, okay. they sound more like the Pixies than they sound like Pearl Jam. So they're yeah. they're demonstrably I, different I from many of at. the other groups in that genre. Courtney, are you familiar with Nirvana at all? Yeah. Like outside of outside of like the the hits or the the random things you hear on no commercials now. I okay, wasn't allowed. To... You try to reach on this podcast when we're talking. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music until I was thirteen. Interesting. Ooh. So <laughs> I'm behind on some of these more like classic bands of like your era right it's really it's fascinating to me to see people like yourself and i was i wasn't the same way but my parents definitely tried to restrict what we listened to but being in such a big family it was almost impossible for them to capture anyone in that net uh, like to actually do what they wanted to do like if anything it just made us try harder and get sneakier like i remember i think Kristen had a burnt copy of uh, never mind from Nirvana, and my dad saw the disc, uh, like found it somehow, and got super pissed because he hated Kurt Cobain <laughs> because of exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and I was going to say that I think Nirvana and Kurt Cobain was my first experience growing up, uh, hearing and feeling the awe of someone being a rock star or or like a superstar. Like I'd never really up until that point grasped emotionally, like what that feels like to be connected uh, to someone that you're never going, like feeling close to someone that you're never going to be close to. Like you kind of put them on a pedestal a little bit. Um, And I remember also being pretty crushed when I found out that he died, even though when he did die, I was too young to even care about music, let alone celebrity. Cause he died in 94. I was born in 91. So, (laughs) 
much to Shane's chagrin. <laughs> uh, he died before I was born, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that, that kind of hurt a little bit. Uh, technically, Ooh. so did my music career. So it's, it's all together <laughs> interconnected. <laughs> but I, I don't really find myself listening to Nirvana that much anymore. Uh, but I feel it. I feel like they were really influential to my music taste as they continued to like grow and develop. And in a roundabout way, and our conversation leading up to this kind of proved my point, uh, you could say that it led me to meeting Shane. Because if Shane and I didn't like these weird, not weird, but like, I would say Seven Mary Three is a band that Shane and I connected on. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would ever listen, I would have ever listened to Seven Mary Three uh, if I hadn't started by listening to Nirvana. Because they definitely, they would show up on each other's radio stations, definitely. Mm-hmm. But to try and approach the point a little faster than michael uh, nirvana was my first musical obsession i learned the four chords i read some biographies and late at night with friends and one particular ex-girlfriend who <laughs> referred to herself as a grunge queen uh we would throw around a conspiracy that we'd heard and now the 17 year old me thought it was a pretty fucking badass one and that was that kurt cobain didn't commit suicide spoiler alert for corny he committed suicide um the conspiracy, though, is that he was murdered, and he was murdered by his wife, Courtney Love. Now, originally... Did she ups- send him bees first? That's the question. <laughs> That's how it starts. <laughs> That's what I hear. Now, originally, the episode was supposed to be about that conspiracy, and I was going to deep dive into every detail of like where the conspiracy came from, and just really give it the old college try, so to speak. But a strange thing happened when I tried to find some sources, and that's that they really didn't fucking exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't, it's a popular theory, but it's not really like a well documented theory, or it's not something that you go, like, I, you Google it and you don't really get much back on it, except for Reddit holes. I think like, we've uh, proven that you don't know how to adequately use Google, though, my friend. So, oh yeah, I'm going to say take we... everything with a grain of salt here because I am not, I'm not good at this. I just, I just talk. I was, um, I was going to say it could be, it could fall under more the urban legend esque, where there's not really like a, a substantially well documented like where it came from, progenitor. Of sorts, and then it just like you people just fucking spread love it. that word today. So I was gonna say it's my lo- word of the day. It, it, it's, it's, it is it's a good word. It sounds nice. Yeah, it rolls off the tongue. It feels. It, I, I feel nice. I feel very buzz little after does after roll it. off your tongue, my friend. Nothing does. <laughs> um, but like if it's an urban legend where it's just spread through, you know, word of mouth. Say it oral. Wouldn't really have. <laughs> it wouldn't really have any basis for it it's mm-hmm. just something that no like, i get, people I get say. what you're saying and that's basically what i found and that's why it was really disheartening to go on reddit and there's like probably at least 10 or 20 posts that all say the same thing and there's like subreddits about it but there's like five people in in the subreddit and they're all just sounding very neckbeardy and uh it kind of not even kind of like it the entire thing is just terribly insensitive um and, and then you see kind of, that they, you see that they're subscribed to other things like Trump did nine eleven or something, or like crazy red pill, like that. blue pill shit. Yeah, like I feel proximal guilt for like being part of the crowd that in my late teens, early twenties was still shouting <laughs> Courtney killed Kurt. <laughs> um, I mean, emotionally, maybe. Yeah, um, that is very fair. True. We will get into some yes. of that. All right, so. Cool. 
I only have one source today because I remember this documentary and I watched it uh, when Chris and I were still living together a few years ago. It's called Soaked in Bleach. Um, so instead of a multi-source dive, we're just going to use this documentary. So all, all the information is just from this documentary. I'm going to fill in some of the, the patches here and there, um, but not, not as much. If you want to watch this documentary, you can find it on Tubi. That's T-U-B-I. And that app is essentially where film goes to die. So, Soaked in Bleach was released in 2015 and currently holds a very respectable 30% on Rotten Tomatoes and a solid score of 50 out of 100 on Metacritic. Ooh. Brian Teller... Tolerate... Tolerate... <laughs> Brian T. Bless you. <laughs> Mr. T. Brian T. Of Roger... Jesus Christ, Michael! What the fuck have you done to me? <laughs> is it Roger Ebert, Shane? Yes, it is Roger okay. Ebert. Uh, wrote in his review: "This is a bad film, filled with awkward reenactments, poorly designed graphics, scripted interview segments, ominous music, and enough jumping to conclusions that I'm surprised someone didn't throw out their back." The crime documentary. <laughs> Get him! <laughs> the crime documentary details the events leading up to the death of Kurt Cobain, as seen through the perspective of Tom Grant, the private detective who was hired by Courtney Love to find Cobain shortly before his death in '94. It also explores the conspiracy theory that Cobain's death was not a suicide. It also marks the directional debut of Benjamin Statler, who co-wrote and produced the films *Act of Valor* and. Comic Con Episode 4, A Fan's Hope. Dennis Harvey. Is that bullshit? It is not. <laughs> the reason I kept it in is because I, I don't know why they would include that. Um, <laughs> Comic Con 4. Like, what a weird, <laughs> like, hey, don't worry. He also put out two other movies you're never going to watch. <laughs> Michael, are you telling me you didn't get that reference? Uh, no, I only, I've only <clears throat> seen up to Comic Con uh, Episode 3. Uh, so. <laughs> it's a Star Wars it's, reference. It, 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 yes. Episode 4. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. don't even it's, explain the joke yeah. to him. No, it's a new hope. Episode four is a new hope. Yes, I understand. Yeah, it. we're all Star Trek fans. We get it. Yeah, exactly. The mm. one with the whales. You're about to feel where the they wrath go to of San Khan Francisco. In about five yeah. seconds. <laughs> no, that's episode Comet two. Con. <laughs> See, Comet. quality. Well, probably to explain that joke to him too. <sighs> anyway. What's a Comic Con? Fuck off, Michael. You. <laughs> Dennis Harvey of Variety wrote that the film. Maybe TMI for those not already obsessed with all things Cobain, but it presents enough evidence to counter its dismissal as a conspiracy theory. Zach Siegel wrote for VH1 that the film presents flimsy evidence, personal agendas, and blatant disregard for facts. IndieWire's I, review. Go ahead. I feel like if they say it's TMI, if someone is already <laughs> watching this documentary, yes. don't they want more information? Yeah. <laughs> and now this one, though, is I like IndieWire's review the most. Um, they claim the cinematographer Ben Kutchins heavily studied David Fincher's unsung procedural masterpiece, Zodiac, noting that the testimonies and audio recordings made by Grant were dramatically recreated like a made-for-TV version of Fincher films. Uh, can I, and can I, I'm going to call bullshit on that. It is not bullshit. When, and I can, Zodi when did Zodiac come out? Uh, 08? Okay, and this came soaked in bleach came I'm, out in fifteen. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm in my head the time. No, no, you I felt like it came out later than that. But but upon rewatching, I can certainly and wholeheartedly agree it looks like a Diet Coke version of a David Fincher movie. Ooh, 
Um, prior to the release of the docudrama, Cold Case Homicide Detective Michael Sinsky was instructed to look at the 35mm film photographs of the Kurt Cobain death scene as part of a re-examination marking the 20th anniversary of the musician's passing. The Seattle Police Department released those photographs in March 2014. Suzensky told KIRO-TV that the new work on the case turned up nothing to make him think Cobain's death was anything but what it was ruled to be in 94, a suicide. New images of the Remington shotgun were also released later in March of 2016, refuting the claim made in the movie that the Seattle Police Department gave Courtney Love the shotgun for melting it down. A police report referred instead to other guns confiscated by the police. This is kind of just kind of like warm up before I start giving you a little play by play on that on the documentary. Okay. Um, and then this is just a little note that I made for myself uh, that I think you guys would find particularly interesting. And that's a lot of the evidence is from audio logs that Tom Grant didn't get consent to tape. There oh. are there are a lot of moments uh, in the documentary where they're playing audio logs and in particular with uh, the Cobain's lawyer, um, where she's like, Tom, are you recording this? And he's like, yeah, record every call. And she goes, God damn it, Tom. <laughs> he's like, it's like, oh, well, I could take, I could, I could stop recording now. But he already played the things that said like the quote unquote, like incriminating shit or like whatever, whatever he wanted it to, to present as. Oh my and later that lawyer, uh, denied all involvement and is not physically interviewed on the documentary. Just the Reasonable. audio logs. Yeah. But did um, they give their consent to have the audio featured in the film? I don't know. A lot of people are really <laughs> chapped by this documentary, as you could imagine. I would imagine some sort of litigation would probably emanate from a lawyer who was uh, taped against their will. But, yes. Okay. Um, and then another side note is that the death scene photos were developed. However, they weren't allowed. They didn't allow private forensic investigation on on the photographs. I thought that that part of the the documentary is actually kind of interesting. Um, <clears throat> so, in late March, early April of 1994, Courtney Love had hired Tom Grant to help her locate Kurt Cobain. Uh, I don't really want to dive into Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love's relationship history. I think it's kind of I think it's kind of infamous, but I know Courtney here you probably don't don't know so much about that. So the quick like less than a sentence is two prolific grunge stars, like rock stars, addicted to heroin, living that lifestyle. That's basically all you need to know. If you have a question, it probably happens. So me and Jonah then? Uh, same same? Yep, okay. Exactly. Perfect. Yep. So in mid-March of 1994, Cobain was hospitalized after an overdose in Rome uh, that was later and somewhat suspected, or I say later, it was somewhat suspected to be a suicide attempt. The, uh, it's a little fuzzy. Um, after the incident, Kurt flew back to Seattle and shortly after went to L.A. to check into a rehab facility. Soon after that, he slipped out and off the radar, just kind of, you know, gave the old Irish goodbye. And that's why Love hired a PI, because she wanted to find him, because it's kind of terrifying for someone to go off the grid after nearly ODing in Rome, going to rehab and be like, nah, I don't want to get better. Now, the question uh, is, was this, uh, you know, Rome, Italy or Rome, Georgia? Rome, Italy. It will dramatically change, you know, because <laughs> Rome, Italy, you, you need it in order to suffer through Georgia. True. That's uh even Major League Baseball doesn't want to go to Georgia any longer, so it's important to know. Not a lot of people should at this point. <laughs> I heard the midnight train was even rerouted. It's a very I fine point. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so Courtney Love's first words 
to the the private investigator grant upon being hired was you leave this to the press and i'll sue the fuck out of you and they have i don't i don't know why it's it's an excellent impression i appreciate that hot um also the actress that they got to play courtney love i i chef's kiss just a just go i don't really like courtney like i don't think courtney love is actually objectively really attractive maybe it's like the whole like blown out drug addict thing but the actress who's Per, like you know dressed up as a drug addict is my aesthetic 100 so here's the thing i'm not interested in a skeleton wearing mascara and lipstick and a really bad wig but i'd totally fuck that broomstick over there i definitely would i mean if she's you know sleepy and smoked out right i don't like them when they're anthropomorphic <laughs> so the documentary from this point on, because the sue the fuck out of you line is the first of an exhausting amount of recreated uh, <laughs> bits. Uh, it's where it starts showing some of the problematic corners, because the doc is all from Tom Grant's perspective. And I don't know if it's just because I finished Daredevil season one, but this guy gives me like he physically looks like an older Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. I can never say his fucking name. Um. But the truth he's is, he's also. Say, I'm sorry, not to interrupt oh, no, you're, you. As like no. he's uh, someone who's shown an immense amount of character because he, like Nixon before him, just uh, records every telephone conversation, right? And general <laughs> conversation he has. I don't know why this would be odd. Yeah, um, he's convinced in his truce, but some of the points they bring up are simply just pulling taffy. So to borrow from Shane, mm. uh, it's a lot of taffy pulling in this documentary, and he spends a fair amount of time painting courtney love as a desperate addict which isn't too far from what was reported to be true but still like it's almost exhausting in the documentary how much time is spent being like and yeah she was doing heroin and then she came and did this interview with me but i told her not to do heroin and she did it anyway and i knew and she knew that she need she knew she was going to be talking to me and she still shot up or like and she still gave heroin to her friend who she knew i was going to be talking to it was like well, it's almost like addicts can't control themselves hmm. weird <laughs> this is the michael moore like fahrenheit 911 he's like on the morning of september 10th george bush had a cup of water ah! <laughs> he's Most up there people Q. do yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but for for the record, Cobain and Love were in and out of rehab, and Love, and this is this is sad, but it was reported that she was a heavy drug user even during her pregnancy. Uh, happy to note, though, that their daughter, you know, seems fine. I don't know if you've ever seen Frances Bean Cobain, but she's actually yeah, she's pretty cute. Yeah, That's seems a, like why she's, not? She's, I was gonna say you've you've already intimated you'd fuck any number of other things. Why not throw her into the mix? Well, um. Add that to the list. Statements I, like I, that I, will get songs written about you by Eminem, so just be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, uh, I don't know if you remember, Shane, but Maynard James Keenan for a while had a shirt, and it got Courtney Love really pissed off at him, and it was a, uh, <laughs> it was just a black shirt with white lettering, it said, Free Francis Cobain. <laughs> it seems very Maynard. It's awesome shirt. He's, he's never incendiary that I've <laughs> never. Found. He's yeah, he just strays from controversy whenever possible. Um, I made another note here of just how many reenactment scenes there truly are, and it's interesting to see the choices they made because they obviously don't have the license, and I don't think they'd ever be able to get the permission to use Nirvana songs. Um, 
but they do have very shittily casted and reenacted off-key versions of Nirvana songs. Oh no. Like they have a like what's supposed to be the anthemic smells like teen spirit, but it's uh, just blo- it sounds like fucking kids bop. It sounds like they just like took it two keys down and had the person or the old it. like invert the chord sequence so that you're technically playing the same thing but just not in the same way to make it sound different. Yes, exactly. Oh, fun. Is that bullshit? Uh, it is bullshit. They didn't. Oh, <laughs> no. Yay! I was going to say, please don't hurt me like that, Daddy. Yeah, they. Uh, the reason I made that note though is because they do have very uh, stereotypical, royalty-free sounding. Like, okay. if if you went onto what is it, FilmMusic.io, mm-hmm. and typed in grunge music, that's probably the soundtrack of the movie. Okay. Oh, and particularly considering it's about, you know, a seminal musician that is the ultimate oh, yeah. crime of the entire thing to perpetuate. Yeah. Um, so it's also speculated in the documentary that the hiring of Tom Grant was predicated on the notion that Courtney Love believed that Kurt wanted to get a divorce uh, somewhere in between the events of Rome and checking into the L.A. rehab joint. Uh, during this time, Love's band, Hole, uh, which I still don't like at all i that's subjective you. but yes um, anyway so during this time uh hole had a record slated for release and there are uh, there these are authentic audio recordings played <laughs> where she's saying any press relating to cart her and cart could help the sales even if the stories aren't entirely truthful and hole even debated adding like a b-side track to see if it would boost month one numbers she even ran fake stories in the local paper saying that she had a panic attack and was placed in the hospital, all in an attempt to lure a response from Kurt Cobain, who was in hiding. So people ask, act desperate when desperate times are there. Like, I, I'm not saying that, not incendiary, I'm just saying, like, yeah, she's trying to go to extreme lengths to save a marriage. Also, her husband is suddenly a ghost. Furthermore, it's also like she's not in her right mind, as though she's uh, readily ingesting chemicals. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Love also submitted a missing persons report under Kurt's mother's name. Um, And that is something that Tom Grant suspects aided Seattle PD to be even lazier than they usually were during this time period. Uh, Since they saw it was underneath Kurt's mom's name. For the missing persons, they didn't investigate her and uh, Courtney Love in the death, and it looked more like genuine. And I, I can't. It hurts my head to think about the the lines that they try. It, it's literally the Charlie Kelly and Always Sunny, the meme that you see where he has like the map, the conspiracy map behind him. Um, and another hill the doc wants to die on is where the core of the conspiracy is born, and that's the death details. Um, or things that were off in what's called the green room crime scene, because there was a green room above their their house in Seattle, um, which at first Tom Grant didn't see multiple times when he was investigating, and he has people like that he's interviewed that are definitely just yes men being like, well, yeah, I mean, multiple people came to and from the house, and if you weren't looking for the green room, you wouldn't see it. You know, you wouldn't see the uh, you wouldn't see the thing. You know, the attic above the, the garage, if you weren't looking for it, you know, because of all the foliage and trees and shit. Well, you know, the, the green room is supposed to be exclusive. I guess so. Uh, but there's a lot of wild speculation on where specific items in the room were. Uh, questions on why the door was locked. 
and pointing out that the kind of lock that was used on the door could be locked as you're walking out. You know, it's like you push it in and then you close the door as you're leaving. Um, or that there was a chair that was propped up against the door, which apparently, allegedly, was not the case. Apparently, the door was, or the, the chair wasn't propped up. It was just near the door, and the police made that up. Mm, okay. Just super, mm. super great uh, reporting. stuff to yeah. try to make it seem a little more, you know, insidious than it was. Yeah. Uh, but the main claims of neglect in the death in- investigation was that they allowed Cobain to be cremated six days after the discovery of his body. Uh, they waited 30 days to get fingerprints off of the shotgun that he used in his life. Uh, and as mentioned earlier, they gave Love the shotgun uh, so that she could melt it down. And what would a conspiracy be without bringing in fake news? For 15 minutes in this documentary, they say, and I slightly agree, that the media exacerbated some, if not all, of the issues uh, around the death. So a lot of, I would actually say that a lot of the information that Tom Grant spouts in here is probably from the news that he says convoluted everything uh next they bring in toxicology that shows cobain had injected triple the amount of heroin needed to overdose Uh, they claim it would incapacitate him enough to render him immobile too much so to even fire the shotgun in a dumb bit of coincidence they look at the shotgun shell and how it was found to the left of Cobain's body when the exit chamber was on the right side of the gun. They also speculate, was he alone in the green room when he pulled the trigger? I would talk about the suicide note, but it's just some severely silly, silly shit. The, the lengths that they go to like try and handwrite analyze certain things. I'm not, I like hearing about conspiracy theories, but I'm not the guy that likes to watch the documentaries and like do the deep dive research on the conspiracies. I like my, I like bite size because this kind of shit, like when you have like, when you have like the alien guy on ancient aliens, the, or whatever, like you have those interviewers and those, those people or interviewees Mm. people. Um, I fucking hate them. (laughs) Talking heads are amazing, John, and I won't have you disparage them on this show. But anyway, so there's there's not terribly too much more about this. That was pretty... All the lights went out in Shane's house. He's dead now. Oh, he's alive. <laughs> so Kurt when I first... Cobain is coming to haunt him. When I saw this movie originally back in 2015, um, I loved it. Because I was still kind of subscribed. Edgy? Yeah, well, yeah I, still had, I still had edge. You were ready for it. You were there for it. Yeah, but looking at the movie now with fresh eyes, it's more of a tragic tale of a relationship just ending in a horrific and unimaginable way. And watching it this time around, it was really a really sad look at mental health and how you really can't truly assume uh, someone's mindset. Um, and also like how the potential it's like it's almost a story of a potential divorce intersecting with the mind of a man who needed more help than he got. Okay. So that's basically where I'm leaving it. But I made one final note, and that's so that's it. That was a flimsy look at a flimsy documentary about a flimsy conspiracy. And in all caps, maybe I'm growing up, but I don't like this conspiracy anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's a difficult thing to kind of look at two individuals who are very obviously codependent in the worst way, though, 
and then try to make it seem like there was any other possible outcome without some sort of intervention happening. And unfortunately, once you're able to start living to excess, that gives you the power to be somewhat exclusionist to everyone around you, particularly when you are someone like Cobain, who was anxiety-riddled and wanted to be an isolated individual and needed to yeah. escape prying eyes. Like, that's a basically just kind of a perfect recipe for disaster where he was related. So it's not like that was going to go any other way. It's no. unfortunate. And, and since I, now that I had a, a week... So my, my YouTube algorithm is always fucked because of our show mm. um, and because of myself, honestly. But there I have been getting a lot of promoted like, here's what so-and-so like famous musician says about Kurt Cobain. Or like I'll see a lot of like Dave Grohl talking about his time with Kurt Cobain, which is always really, really sad to watch. Um, but there was one and it was an actual interview clip of Kurt Cobain. And he was saying that like in the future of Nirvana for him... Uh, was almost to not even be a rock band anymore. And he was saying that down the line, what he really wanted to do was do singer songwriter stuff, which when you look at, um, and Courtney, if you have any passing interest and I don't blame you, if you don't, if you have any passing interest, this goes for the listeners too. If you don't have a, like experience with Nirvana and you want a jumping off point, I would really recommend the MTV unplug session. Uh, it's the most intimate way to, to like look at them without having to know their catalog because it's basically them playing the hits and then they do some cool shit, which doesn't happen too much anymore. But like a good chunk of their set was covering another band that they kind of uh, came into provenance with. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot to be said. I know, Shane, you don't personally really dig Nirvana that much, but you you I think I, you appreciate them. But you don't like them. I, contrary to the uh, discussion from earlier, I actually I really love Nirvana and appreciate uh, the style of music. One, I was I didn't like the Pixies initially either. I kind of grew into an appreciation of the Pixies, and I think furthermore, I was a hipster dyed in the wool. Unfortunately, before there was a word for it, which is the most hipster thing to say. But um, yep. when I went to high school in the small mountain town that I grew up in, South Park, Colorado. Uh, the only two bands that were really popular when I was in high school, now granted this was a few years after all of you were born, so uh, Michael being the noted uh, exception here, uh, were Sublime and The Beatles. Everybody loved both of them huh. to death, ad nauseum. I was over with a very eclectic household, so my family listened to everything. So my dad was into like acid rock and weird nonsense like Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. And my mom loved a lot of folky singer-songwriter stuff and Americana material, as well as like Fleetwood Mac and some of your more kind of classic oh, okay. rock stuff. My sister, absolute child of the 90s, so she loved pop stuff. So weird, like CNC Music Factory and a bunch of, you know, random nonsense, Belle Biv DeVoe and Boys to Men and all these things. And then my brother, child of the 80s, had every hairband imaginable. But when I finally started listening to music, my brother had just started buying grunge records, which means I got to go on the roller coaster with him as he bought new things and would toss them into the tape player and be like, here we go. This is what Alice in Chains sounds like. So my taste very much, to your point earlier, mimicked my brother's in a lot of ways. Subsequently, 
I disagreed with everybody in my high school because the stuff I like was this dark, dour, like I listened to Black Sabbath and a lot of really sort of dismal stuff for a Christian community where they do not right. like you to be separatist at all. You're not so it, you're very easily ostracized. So my response to this was usually like, well, fuck the Beatles. They suck. I don't like any of their sugar. Yeah. Yellow submarine shampoo. My crotch It's the most unimaginative bunch of bullshit that anybody can. <laughs> my <spout. shorts. laughs> and then sublime. I hate cause like, Oh yeah. Stoner rock. That's real imaginative. Yeah. Watch me get stoned and talk about my dog's asshole on a record for 45 minutes. I'm sure that'll sell brilliantly. So this is young standoffish me. This has, you know, morphed as it goes on. So I'm sure I adopted a bit of this for Nirvana as well in general polite discussions. But I enjoy the songwriting. I think uh, he had one of the most easily recognizable voices, both as a writer True. and as a vocalist. So there's a lot of things that you get from Cobain that just you don't get any other avenues of music that you could, you know, trickle down, essentially. So, yeah, I love Nirvana. I appreciate it. Have I, have I told you the story or said it, have I said it on the podcast yet of the moment that I realized what vocal harmonies were? No. Yeah. In Courtney's face, Courtney was giggling. Because um, I don't know, oh, fuck, was I like 13? I remember feeling like I had discovered gold or like I had like amazing hearing suddenly because I was on a vacation and I was with my brother's wife at the time and she had put on Nirvana and Heart Shaped Box came on. And I was like, do you hear that? And she goes, hear what? And I was like, there are different Kurt Cobains in the song <laughs> singing different things. At the same time. And she kind of looked at me, understandably, like I was a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's when I discovered what vocal harmonies were. Okay. Uh, like, you know, actually, to illustrate, because I uh, don't mind boring our co-hosts and uh, presumably our audience as well. Uh, as evidence of the fact I love Nirvana, uh, the classic albums series that I keep bragging to you about every time we go into the studio, uh, where they go and they get the producer of the record and the band yeah, to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. these sort of and great moments in rock history basically um one of the first ones i bought was for nevermind and it's got oh, Butch yeah. Big running through the process of recording the album and talking about he's one of the people that clued me into the fact that it is a, a rare and delightful treat to have someone who can double vocals well and not only could kurt do it seamlessly but dave grohl also doubles vocals really well so they Which were showing how Foo they Fighters, stack those yeah. things and yeah so it's just interesting little bits of what informs both songwriting and the way that we create records as well from things that I like because I will pride myself on being able to do vocal doubles with very little effort. And that's something Butch commonly threw out is like, oh, yeah, Kurt's great with this because he can immediately just go in and double with very little effort. And like, oh, okay. And there's Michael nodding off. He's been whoa, yawning whoa, through whoa, this whoa, entire huh? thing. I've just what? been waiting for him. Where am I? He's like Courtney Love, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, I, you know, on a on a a nod here after a good shot. Um, Jesus Christ! Well, I allow me to. Uh, I'll I'll get Michael back into it. I have a way that this is tangentially related to our podcast. Would first, you Would you like me to illustrate? Go ahead, John. Well, first I got to lie past you guys. I have, but I'll give some you one. Stabs. Okay, take some stabs real quick. I we we got on tangent, which is fine because. It was not a long topic. So, uh, <laughs> do you have some stabs for for lies here, Courtney? Yeah, the first stab I have was you basically went on like a full paragraph about how you couldn't find any sources for what your original conspiracy was. Is that bullshit? 
No. Okay. Um, I did, but I'll clarify. Like I was called out on. I don't really like. I wasn't like hard. I wasn't like going in the trenches. I just was like, Kurt killed Courtney or Courtney killed Kurt. <laughs> I conspiracy, like that conspiracy and then theory better. And then <laughs> I was going to say suddenly, like the scene from Pulp Fiction where he had to, you know, just uh, inject adrenaline into her heart. Yeah, springs uh, to mind. Courtney Love is actually Kurt Cobain masquerading as Courtney Love. She was the actual person that That's died. Actually, That's a way better conspiracy. How very palatable like of you. Yes. Yeah. yeah there we go. Plot um, twist. Yeah, I just I couldn't find anything easel like easily like there wasn't like a well written article on on the conspiracy. Okay. If it so. requires more than two tabs, you know he's not going to go past <laughs> it. Hashtag two tabs. My other thought was you mentioned the PI not being able to find the green room or he didn't know where that was. I feel like I've seen pictures of the house and it was like very obvious that there was a room over the garage and you mentioned something about foliage. Is that part a lie? Tom Tom Grant in the documentary claims that a majority of the times that he went to the house during his investigation pre the discovery of Cobain's body uh were at night and there was weather you know like it was like you know Seattle so it's it's lightly raining um and yeah no he he claims that he never saw that part of the house even though there's a recreated scene where one of Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain's friends like they're they're one of their closer friends is showing Tom Grant through the house and even the friend doesn't even reference the green room which is another taffy pole that he uses later to say that it is a conspiracy because if the friend the friend obviously knows the house well why wouldn't he take tom grant to the green room mm-hmm. okay so hmm. it's a, a reasonable thing to expect got any other stamps for me no. I mean, Michael uh, the, barely is cognizant of the laws of reality presently. I'm really I, proud of myself because I didn't tell any lies that were based on numbers. Bless you. Or 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 lists. I actually did, like, like the Smells Like Teen Spirit was like a quasi-shame lie where you kind of, like, just have it as part of your own paragraph. Uh, but the other lie is that where Courtney Love did say that any press would be good press with her record coming out her band whole did not debate putting on a b-side track to try and boost month one sales good job um, huh. but well, it wouldn't one. surprise me yeah. if, if she did she would be like hey let's write a song called kurt please come back from rehab alive <laughs> and then put it on the record uh-huh. <laughs> uh it was a little outlandish now that you uh, put it back into that sort of relief <laughs> but uh, yeah well so michael on the subject of whole uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, here we go. I'm not kidding. On I'm the subject scared. of Hole, uh, the bassist for that band is a uh, a woman named Melissa Oftemauer, which is going to be interesting because if I do, I'll clean it up. Uh, she is connected to our podcast, though tangentially. Um, okay. she was dating a gentleman at around this time who goes by the name of Neil Strauss. Neil Strauss, you may know, from having written a book called The Game, Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists, where he was tutored and taught on how to be a pickup artist by a gentleman named Mystery. Yeah. Melissa Oftenauer is actually the individual who got Neil Strauss away from the life of being a pickup artist. 
he fell desperately in love with her and actually created a relationship. And this is what caused him to, one, write the book exposing the bullshit that those individuals espouse, and furthermore, to try to be a better human being. So this is all coming back in to the joys of... I can see, yes, you've got the... I got the, fucking the... goosebumps, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're also finally Shit. fucking awake, so welcome to the oh, world, baby boy. Hello, uh-huh. I'm, I'm awake here, hello. So, yeah, this is uh, very interesting. So when you started, that is one of the reasons I knew Mr. Ian was familiar with him, because uh, John and I have both read that book, but it's probably been long enough that John probably just spaced off on that weird gossamer strand. I'm not even going to lie to you. We said this on the, the Pickup Artist episode, but I did not read the whole book. Okay. Like, I read half of the book, and I was like, this is some fucking hot garbage. It and is a I book about holes. Uh, yeah, it band, is bands and otherwise. And how to get to them? Yeah. Um, also, I didn't write this in the script. I'm really glad that I remembered it. Um, there obviously are. A lot, I've mentioned that I wrote some biographies on on Kurt Cobain. If you have any passing interest for listeners or for for you guys, um, there is a doc or a documentary. There is a biography written called Heavier Than Heaven. I don't know the author's name off the top of my head right now, but it was the best biography I have read. To the state, mm. um, and it's a very gentle, touching look at, at who Kurt Cobain was as a human. Um, mm. Also, if you want a movie to watch that's not soaked in bleach, that is about Nirvana or Kurt Cobain, you can watch Montage of Heck um, on HBO Max, and that is the actual title. Mm-hmm. Um, they intersperse a lot of Cobainismy things with. Uh, pulls from his vast amount of journals where he has drawings and he's a very very weird fucking guy mm-hmm. um so worth a watch if you if you're interested and uh, furthermore if you want to go down the rabbit hole a little bit further on the seven degrees of separation or kevin bacon depending on your preferences uh melissa oftenauer actually wound up being in the smashing pumpkins for a while uh replacing darcy oh. as the bassist interesting uh-huh See, this is why I spent far too much time working in a record store. I have really bizarre conversations with folks about things that are inconsequential and incidental to most other people walking the planet. Well, you know, I'll take it because you added at least 20 minutes to the episode that would have been horrendously short. So well, for that, you. I thank you. That's yeah. what I'm here for. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm used to picking up your shortfall. You and I have been in a band together for seven or eight years now. Time is just a number. And Jesus is just a Spanish boy's name. How did one man get so much fame? How does one approach the sunrise? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we've officially fallen off of anybody else following us here, John. I'm sorry. Uh, Well, thank you. That was uh, a very enlightening topic for you, Mr. John. It was different than the the usual fodder that I have for you guys. Most certainly. And uh, wasn't too boring. No, far no. from it. Uh, we've been through boring, my friend. Yeah, Michael's right nothing here. Compa- <laughs> yes, nothing compares. Heavy water. That's the basis. Uh, well, I want to say, though, uh, apropos of this, I spent a little time doing some research of my own this week to help kind of bolster our offerings to our listenership here. So I Ooh. went through and added more material to the hit list, Our Greatest Misses, which is our playlist on YouTube containing all of our most popular episodes. Initially, I did this purely under the guys that we had talked about previously where John wanted to throw together the episodes we liked as an introductory sort of thing for the, the listeners. 
listeners, but I yeah. actually went by our download statistics and added in <gasps> the actual most popular episodes by download oh, to shit. flesh that thing out a little more. So it is now 40 episodes strong, including things from also Disinformed After Dark and our various fan fiction reads just sort of, you know, interspersed there to keep things interesting. So if you have not spent a lot of time with us and you want to try to catch up in some interesting ways, it's also a fun hallmark to see when we started hitting our stride because right around like the mid 50s, early 60s are some of the most popular topics and uh, some of the most fun. I went back and listened to God in 60 Seconds while I was uh, out for a walk yesterday. And that is still one of my absolute favorite episodes just as a listener. To go back and and enjoy some of the jokes that we talked about, in particular the uh, the heavenly Godfather aspect. Of <laughs> I'll having... go re-listen. I, I can I can sign up for that. <laughs> it's I'm telling you, it uh, it's going to get disgusting here for a moment. But just when you think about the sheer volume of time we have expended to create these shows. To go back and listen to hear where our, our mindset was at, this was right around the time that they were having a lot of the George Floyd uh, situation starting to rear its oh, ugly yeah. head. Mm-hmm. So we started out with whipping a lot of interesting messages uh, at folks where I was being semi-didactic and saying, oh, you, we should all love each other and try to extend a little courtesy to everybody that we could all use some grace right now. And then we dive into, by the way, here's us talking about Mormons who want to kill each other. And uh, <laughs> wind up with a huge and helping of my immortal so yeah, yeah those those episodes were were pretty interesting to try to navigate but it was a lot of fun and i think uh, you would all benefit uh, from going back as well because it, it makes me love you all just a little bit more and well, of course, i love you guys too. miss courtney being there but still it all it, this whole show has literally just been a countdown clock to getting courtney so <laughs> um on True. my immortal Becky listens to uh, what the fuck is it Pottermore or there's a a Potterless Potterless podcast. Okay, um, and they essentially the dude had never read Potter and went through the series, went through the movies, and now uh, this week she comes up, she goes, "Hey, Potterless is going to start reading My Immortal." Oh, and uh, she goes, "And I think I'm going to listen to it so that I don't have to read it." And I said, "Or, or, <laughs> or." <laughs> <laughs> you could fucking go to our band camp and uh, buy the audiobook. Hey, oh, wife of mine, free go for nothing. buy the thing that we created. <laughs> um, it's like, or you could go listen to the thing that you literally fucking know that we did. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, maybe now is a really good time for you to try and learn how to work algorithms instead of YouTube animations. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's a there's about to be an uptick in people looking for My Immortal, and if you could corner that market and say, "Hey, if you want to quote unquote read uh, the book." With Potterless, you don't have to. You can listen to <laughs> us do it, and then listen to you know that really really wildly successful podcast that almost has as many subscribers as we Yeah, we now have beef with the uh the Potter whatever podcast. Unless you want I like that. Unless you want to do a joint episode <laughs> if you I'll, ever hear I'll, this. I'll so, do a re-record of uh, my immortal with them. Sure, why not? So Reach out to them. Here, let's go. Here's the canon. If we never hear from them, fuck you forever fucking hate you you're dog true, shit you're true. fucking nothing you are fucking dirt get him dad 
But if you want to do a collaboration, I actually think you're a really intelligent <laughs> human being. Uh, you're very well planned. You have a very solid business model. And we would love to collaborate with you with the fringe benefit of maybe getting some more followers. Clip that, Michael. We're going to put that on the Instagrams. But if you don't want us, fuck yeah. you. You couldn't have us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yep, that's reasonable. Uh, it's also an important time for us to emphasize that you can also follow up and see what happens post My Immortal. Insofar as on the tubes of you at this very moment, we have a full cast audio recording of one, a sequel entitled <laughs> The Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles, which is only tangentially related to My Immortal. <laughs> Because it also has some ties to our current fanfiction read going on right now, which is My Immortal, the sequel, as performed by the Disinformed Podcast cast. Might I say as well, it is surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I wasn't there for the first half of it. It's like you weren't reading the narration. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh yeah you should well let's note that too when you're reading along we actually can share the screen so you can see the script mm -hmm. uh because i feel like that is something that you couldn't see with the original reading and it helps a lot uh especially as it pertains to shane uh having to struggle bust through this whole thing yeah yeah <laughs> being on the verge we're of trying my to own beat death. the english major out of him <laughs> it's working i am far less articulate moment by moment well, uh, so I think that's a, a decent enough uh, attempt to to bring people in and, uh, yeah. and draw some attention. The the carnival barker in all of us is working overtime presently. But Indeed. Uh, for the the Sams out there uh, listening in in Stonerland, twenty twenty four. I was uh, twenty five miles outside of Barstow when the drugs began to take hold. I still need to watch that movie. <sighs> it's not bad. So. Racking, racking. Okay. Also, I apologize, Michael. <laughs> this you can, you're gonna have to cut this anyway. Uh, there is a wealth of coughing and random noises from me on this episode, so I'm trying not to die over here. So uh, I'm gonna have to cut me like dozing off apparently because I I have no control over my bodily functions tonight. All right. So you're fine. Let's get you a die die and let's. Uh, Jesus yeah, Christ. Get some caffeine or a beer or something. Fuck. I I am going to drink a coffee after. Just like Cobain, we're going to have a die-die here in just a moment. <sighs> Eat a lead sandwich. <laughs> Indeed. Shotgun Sammy for all of you. So, wow. I like that we are all super respectful through this very sensitive topic, and it's Michael. <laughs> That's because I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I was totally respectful. I only said the topic would be a blast and an assortment of other really <laughs> incendiary things, but it's fine. Mental health Michael. is something to be openly mocked. It sure is. For yeah. the listener, if you didn't hear all of his references, you should go back and re-listen or re-download it. Fuck off, nerd. Uh, yeah, Michael is simulating what it's like to listen to any of his topics. <laughs> I don't think I would make people Kurt Cobain themselves. I was talking about how you were asleep through almost the entire thing. Oh! <laughs> it's okay. Michael sleeps through his own topics as well. We've got documented proof of this. I sleep through everything. Uh -huh. Sleepwalking through the nightmare you created. I am the nightmare. Thank you. Uh, your density has popped me to you. <laughs> so, for another gloriously Zemeckian installment of the Disinformed Podcast, I am Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. And I'm Courtney. And we've got to get back to the future! 
so long.